So today on our podcast, we are talking to two of my all-time faves. We've got Lenny Terenzi, who's a designer, illustrator, and screen printer of Hey Monkey Design. And we've got Jason Karn. He's also a designer and a hand lettering master. We're going to be talking to these two about facing creative burnout, how they've gotten through it in their careers. Welcome, guys. Jason, this one's for you. When was the last time you remember going through a creative block or a slump? What drove that feeling for you and how did you get through it? Um, I'd say probably the whole beginning half of 2016 was sort of a creative slump for me. Um, I was getting client after client that was kind of creatively unfulfilling. Um, It it seemed like something that was going to start off great and then it would either get art directed into the ground or the project would kind of turn out to be something other than what it was initially intended to be. And it was kind of burning me out that I was putting out uh, all this effort and all this work that I thought was great work uh, just for it to be kind of either shot down or altered beyond the point of recognition. Um, So it wasn't so much that I had a lack of creativity, but there was like this lack of satisfaction and fulfillment in my work, which I think is um, just as important as being able to be creative. And that uh, kind of like really hurt my attitude and my perspective as a freelancer and the whole design industry in general, because I was, um, I wasn't doing something I wanted to do anymore. I was kind of being pushed around by the whims of the client. Um, My contracts weren't really strong enough at the time to really counter all these revision requests and all these alterations and things like that. So I was doing this work for almost nothing and it was work that I didn't want to do either. Um, So that kind of made me uh, dread doing my job every day to where I, unfortunately, I once loved it, but I I got to a point where I really didn't anymore. And I actually reached out to everybody on Facebook in a kind of like a cry for help on a status update saying that I want to throw in the towel and that I'm done with design. And uh, Lenny and Diane Gibbs and a couple other people kind of turned it around and talked me into sticking it out and then maybe pursuing different um, paths, you know, maybe doing some stuff for myself or maybe uh, doing it just part-time or even stepping away for a few weeks and just seeing how I felt about it. Um, So I think you have to kind of lean on the support of others in the design community to get out of your slump sometimes. Yes. Yeah, and you recently moved. Is the reason for your move because of the creative slump that you went through? Yeah, it is partially. Um, one of the guys that reached out to me on that status is named Tim Jones, and he is um, one of the art directors at an agency called Cornette in Lexington. And he reached out to me and said, um, "Hey, would you like a job with us?" And um, I thought that it would be a really good way to give me consistent pay and money, um, consistent hours. It has other people dealing with billing and invoicing and paperwork and conversing with the clients and everything like that. Um, All the stuff that I wasn't really super fond of. Um, Freelance is great, but you never have that kind of guaranteed money. Like every week pay is different. Um, So this provides me a little bit more stability, a little more peace of mind. Um, so I wanted to go with something that I felt like, um, kind of put me a little bit more at ease financially and mentally. 
And that's one of the things that I think is going to pull me out of this slump. I think I've already kind of worked myself out of it a little bit. I've gotten a few cool projects here and there, but um, it'll allow me to be a little bit more picky with the work that I'm doing. It'll allow me to select the projects that I really want to do now that I already have financial stability. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lenny, your turn. Same question. When, when's the last time uh, you remember going through kind of the same uh, same thing, a creative block or creative slump? What what was that feeling like and what got you through that period of time? Yeah, you know, it's funny because it's going to be pretty much the same answer as Jason. And in talking to a lot of my designer and creative friends, 2016 has kind of blown uh, a little bit, it seems, for... <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be blunt, we all kind of entered this new year with like, I'm going to kick ass. And it was like the whole year was like, no, first I'm going to kill Prince and all these other cool people that you love. And then I'm not going to bring you any jobs. <laughs> and so honestly, a good, a good part of this year for me, uh, most recently this summer, though, um, has been a, a huge source, kind of a creative stumbling block for me uh, as some people may know who, who will listen or watch or read this or whatever, uh, you know, started my studio two years ago, like moved into a studio. Um, and that has just brought a whole host of new things that I never expected about just running a studio uh, and, and doing stuff like that. So I've kind of had this, I have 50 things I want to do and I don't know which one to pick. So I just didn't pick anything. I kind of had um, analysis paralysis or paralysis by decision. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a screen printer, but I also am an illustrator and I'm a, I'm a good designer and a, the hell do I want to do? And so I just kind of, uh, kind of just got stuck and I stuck myself, honestly, I think a little bit. Um, and then partially clients weren't coming in. Like it's just been overall kind of a crappy year. Like Jason said, for, for freelancers, for independent designers, uh, with client work coming in. Um, I don't know why that is. Um, but it seems around the time of like May or June, all of a sudden the phone started to ring and things started to come in for a month or so and it was going really well. And then in uh, July, I went to my first ever Icon conference, which is the Illustrators Conference. Um, and it was sort of my coming out party as an illustrator, like I was going to start owning the fact that I am going to call myself an illustrator. And it was a phenomenal conference packed with amazing content and people, but it overloaded me like literally it was just like so much stuff that we left I was right back at Pat paralyzed again I was like what in the hell do I do I have so much great stuff and so what I did at that point was you know I'd already felt that way at the beginning of the year I felt that way in July and I said you know what instead of getting frustrated by it I'm gonna just own it and I just won't do anything I'll just say that this may, maybe I'll be productive by not being productive, which is can be productive. That's a lot of uses of productive, right? Sometimes if you don't fight it and you just like say F it and let it go. Um, and I knew I had my family vacation and weapons of mass creation coming up. So I kind of like pinpointed or circled on the calendar. I was like, I'm just going to chill. I'm an ex. I don't have a lot going on. And I've got this great family vacation and I'm going to see all my awesome peeps at weapons. And I'm going to use that to kind of say, okay, I'll kick myself back into gear then. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, I went up for a week and I took all my art supplies to, to my lake house and drew and painted and all that. And then went to weapons and had a great time hanging out, seeing everybody. 
Um, you know, Jason and I have known each other for a little while, but he, he roomed with me. We got to know him really well and had a great group of people at weapons. I mean, we were this 15, 20 person deep, you know, uh, crew that just took over and it was fantastic. And I came back and I noticed the floodgates have started to, to kind of open and I'm making again and creating again and feeling a little more, uh, sparked again. self-doubt as a creative how does this play a role in into your lives your daily <laughs> lives and how do you get past that um I, me and lenny had a few talks about this actually and i think it was actually one of the points of your workshop down in creative south the mm -hmm. uh, the imposter syndrome to where yeah. you feel like you're not either um, good enough at what you do or that you're somehow not as professional as your peers and that you're not yes. creating um, to your full potential possibly. Um, and I think that has to do with surrounding yourself constantly with social media where you follow your idols in the best specific industry. Yeah. And you're like, wow, the, look what they're doing. Like my work isn't even close. Like you, you're like, man, why, why, why even bother trying? Like when I look at somebody like uh, like Dave Smith, the, the sign writer from England, or like Aaron Horky, the poster designer, oh, I'm like, yeah. man, like I'm I'm like three decades off from even being a little too close to what they do. So like it it feels like you're almost um, it, it almost feels defeating looking at this work that you feel like you may never be able to live up to. Um, but I think you kind of have to own who you are and like what your skill level is and kind of just keep plugging away at what you're doing and eventually you'll get to that point. Like wherever you're at, there's probably a market for it. So I think you just have to find how to market it to whatever clients that you want to go after. And I think that whatever level of skill that you're currently working with, you can probably you know find people who want to work with you. Yeah, I've actually been hitting that a lot recently, the self-doubt and imposter syndrome, because, again, I'm really trying to make my play as an illustrator now. And you know, I've started working on my first kid's book and all that, but I'm trying to really own that and kind of flip how I approach my work. And, uh, you know, it, it was really interesting for me being at a conference like Icon, because I'm so used to Creative South and Weapons, where I know everybody. Like, you know, I mean, I literally know probably 50% of the conference attendees at each conference by name. Um, and, and I'm comfortable there. And I, you know, it's like, hey, and high five and everything. And Icon, I knew a few people there, like Brittany Barnhart went and Carlos Basabi and stuff like that. But we were a small group. And I absolutely felt like I didn't belong there, right? As a designer, I'll put my flag in the ground, man. I can hold my own, you know, and as, a, as a speaker, all that stuff, no problem. I'm super confident as an illustrator. I feel like a baby. I feel like I'm still coming into it. And so being there, I was like, I don't belong here. What am I doing here? I, like Jason said, you know, imagine being in like, you know, you say like social media, seeing all this work. Imagine literally being around 700 of those people where you're seeing, you're walking oh, by. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to sketch for five minutes and you look at it and then you just say, I hate my life because it's like, oh, my God, look at that. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing happened is I, I sat down to dinner one night at Icon, and I was li literally at dinner with all my favorite illustrators, every one of them. I was there with Luke Flowers, Joey Ellis, um, uh, uh, Andy J. Miller, um, just all these amazing illustrators. 
and we're all just kind of talking and then they all inevitably we talk shop and they say so Lenny what are you working on and it's like oh shit you know because they were like here's my kids book and here's this thing and I'm looking at it going incredible incredible and I was like you know what no this is pulled out the phone and pulled up some of my illustration work and I was like just you know just do it because that's what I tell people to do I have to remember my own advice I speak about this a lot and I think it's important for people to know that you can speak about it and feel like you can help people about it, but still be in the hole with it. Because, you know, I think that's part of the struggle and it's part of the education of getting through this. Um, so I'm still in that hole that I tell pe people ways to get out of. But I showed them the work and they were all looking at the work. And it was very genuine, like, dude, oh, this is great. And like scrolling through it. Oh, I love how you did. Like, they looked at my work like I look at their work. And that really gave me a confidence boost. You know, they weren't blowing smoke up my ass. I mean, they were genuinely like, this is cool. Wait, did you design this? You didn't just do the illustration. You designed this package. I was like, oh, yeah. I said I was a designer first. So like, and, and all of them were like, oh, my God, I wish I could do that. You know, and I'm like, what? You know, so it was like hearing them throw their self-doubt back at me when I was so afraid to show them stuff really has pushed me hard in the last month or two to take the self-doubt I now have and turn it on myself and say, well, you're not going to get anywhere by crying about it. Just get better. Like, just start working again. Start drawing. Start making. And you will get better. Um, so definitely that's, that was a huge, a huge thing for me, putting myself in such a, a foreign uh, place. Yeah, and I think it's nice to see that people of any level can feel that way too. Like, when I posted that status update that I was talking about earlier where I said I wanted to quit, like I had people that are genuine, like world-class designers that would be like in design textbooks telling me that they felt that way and that they still feel that way sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I so yeah. it, it's, it's not like it just happens to beginners or even intermediate designers. Like it happens to like top tier expert level people too. Absolutely. I texted my wife not two weeks ago. I was sitting at the office and I'm coming up on two years in the studio, so I'm coming up on the last year of my current lease, which means I should start thinking about either re-signing or did I make a huge mistake and do I need to go work at Target? Um, <laughs> you know, which I, I know the answer in my heart is obviously I keep going, I keep pushing. But, you know, I just, I texted her. I was like, I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm supposed to be here, right? Like, you know, I just had to ask and put it out there. And she was like, yep, you're good. And I'm like, okay, yep, I'm good. So, I, you know, I think like us not feeling embarrassed by that or feeling that it's, you know, a sign of weakness. You know, in my talk, I was like, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's the greatest sign of strength you can show. And doing that with ourselves is super important. Yeah, agreed. So the reason that we're doing this right now is because I saw your status update, Jason, okay. um, and saw the reaction from the design community. So what role does the design community play in your life and career, and, and how do you access them um, when you need their support? Um, well, with me, up until right now, um, because now that I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, I'll be surrounded by a community of designers uh, being part of an agency. But as a freelancer, when I was in Pennsylvania, there was literally no physical support group like there wasn't any other designers in my area like I either had to drive two hours to New York or Philadelphia to find any kind of common ground uh, you know occupation wise with anybody 
So I didn't have that kind of support um, in a physical sense, but I could reach out through social media to people that I have met at conferences like Weapons of Mass Creation, like Creative South, um, to where I could talk about these things um, with them. Um, and I think while that's nice, being able to talk to people online, like whether it's like on Skype, like here, or you know Facebook Messenger or something like that. It's that's great, but being able to actually meet and be together and um, yes. talk face to face it's such a big difference. Um, like when I went to Weapons and I got to actually talk to Lenny one on one, or uh, you know Dustin or any of the other guys that we were with in that group, um, that helped a lot. It was like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders to actually see it in somebody's face, like in person. That, yeah, I know the exact same thing you're going through, man. Like I've done that before too. And, you know, it gets better and there's peaks and valleys and all that. So being able to actually be around people that share that same feeling that you have, I think is super important. Yeah, it, there's, I mean, there's no doubt for me. I mean, I know you two know specifically how community minded I am. Mm -hmm. um, for sure, not only with, with my AIGA chapter, and Jason, I'm actually going to specifically look at the closest AIGA chapter to you. Um, I Probably think Louisville. That there's, Louisville, there's one more that opened in Kentucky that started up, and it might be near you, so I'm going to make sure I get you, like, specific names. Um, you know, that way, you know, once you're kind of settled in everything, to you know, that you can reach out to them, because it's done a world of difference for me, but... Design, design community, and I don't even call it design community anymore. I literally call it like my family. Like, you know, if, if I'm going to invest my time into you and, you know, and, and pull stuff out of you, because not only does it help somebody else, but I know it, it helps me as well to, to see other people that are going through things and then to have those conversations. Like, you know, like Jason and I, you know, in a room, it was Jason, myself, and Kevin Green. And, you know, we'd be up one or two in the morning and, all right, we're tired. Let's go crash. And we end up in the room and then we still end up talking to four in the morning because, you know, just, it's just like, you just can't help it because we don't get that a lot because of online and social media. Um, so, you know, having those physical touch points, um, you know, are, are everything, you know, so, you know, being able to go to weapons every year and look forward to it and, and, and creative South and AIGA chapter for myself, you know, I'm on my board of it. I'm, I'm the vice president now for this next term. Uh, is everything to me is to, to be able to foster that and help that because it, I, I don't know I, if I would use the word literally save my life because I wasn't suicidal or anything. I was very depressed for a long time, you know, through my divorce and everything a few years ago, but uh, it changed my life for sure. Um, and I usually just say save my life because that just sounds like a heavier version of, of change my life. I wasn't about to do anything harsh, but it made such a massive difference in me that I want to, is my mission in life to pay that back to every single person I can. Yeah, that sounds great. And I think that frequency of being able to reach out to people that often and that close um, might be a big help for me. And it might be a big help for anybody else watching this too. Um, because while I love going to conferences, I love Creative South, I love weapons. Um, it's only twice a year that you get to go to those two conferences, you know, and all that other time in between, you know, that excitement kind of wanes a little bit and wears off and then you're kind of back into that depression or that slump. Um, so I think having other people around is super important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you correlate it to musicians and you never, you always wonder why a band breaks up when they're making millions of dollars or whatever, you know, and I've, 
I played music professionally for a while and it's like, yeah, you know, for two hours, they're on top of the world for 22 other hours. Ugh. Right. And you can correlate that <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to, to, to the conferences or seeing people like just, yeah, you, you have all those spans of time where just so much happens and being able to reach out. And now even with online, like I try to do a lot more with Skype now. So while it's not in person, you can look at somebody's eyes at least. And that is absolutely the next best thing. Yeah. Uh, you both mentioned depression, and that's something that's kind of being discussed more and more these days, especially among creatives. If you've ever felt depressed or at least, you know, kind of alone, what what are some things you've done to reconnect uh, with your passion or to gain inspiration? That's a good question. I, I think that the best thing that I found is when I was feeling really um, – like out of touch with my passion or kind of depressed was just to step back from it. Uh, try not to force it, go take a walk and, you know, take a hike or something, you know, get out and, uh, go for a jog or a swim, bike ride, anything to kind of just take your mind out of that, uh, that headspace that you're, you're stuck or that you don't want to do this right now. Um, and as freelancers or as a freelancer, I kind of have that ability to do that. I mean, I can't really speak for somebody, that has a nine to five and can't really just leave the office and get out of that headspace that they're in. But if you're a freelancer, I think you should be able to just kind of back off for a bit, cancel projects or don't take new ones on and just kind of reevaluate like what made the job important to you in the first place and why you really loved it. Um, I would say even going as far as to trying to find ways to combine things you're passionate about. Like Lenny's very passionate about music. Um, and so am I as a listener, not so much as a, a musician, but, um, you know, maybe if you love music, you start doing stuff like lettering, you know, your favorite lyrics, or maybe you do something to where you redesign album art for your favorite albums. Uh, something that, you know, can kind of, you could take, you could pull from one love and put it into another and try to reignite your passion in the, the one that you're, um, you're having trouble with. Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely, I hit, I say last year, I hit an actual diagnosed clinical depression, um, like went to a doctor for it. Um, this, I was a year into starting the studio, sorely underestimated the resources it would take to start it and, and realized all the time I spent building it and getting it ready, I wasn't working as much. And if I wasn't working as much, I wasn't marketing the studio. So nobody knew I was there for a while. So work just disappeared up until that April that I told you about just this year. And I definitely hit a, an honest to goodness. Like my wife was like, you need to get some help. Um, you know, I definitely kind of had a, a cry for help kind of moment. So for myself, like, you know, I just, just like I said in my talks and stuff like that, and I'd faced depression earlier with my divorce too, as I went to the doctor and, you know, I got on and I'm still on a very low dose of medication uh, for myself. And I'm not saying that that's the answer for everyone. Just takes that edge off for me. Um, as I'm still going through this startup phase in the business and it's made a world of difference. Like it was within a week, it was like, you know, you know, feeling so much better. So I think recognizing it, not being ashamed of it. Um, and you know, you know, and, and not being ashamed of taking a pill to fix something. Cause guess what? Modern medicine is effing fantastic. And, uh, and it's done a great, you know, wonders for me. Um, so, you know, just being able to kind of like own that stuff, because a lot of times when you when you are if you're truly depressed, 
even reaching out to people and trying to do the stuff that we would normally do when we do, because there's a difference between feeling down and feeling depressed. Um, you know, depressed to me is like a clinical long-term, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse if you don't do something about it. Where down can be different from Thursday to Friday, you know. Um, and I was definitely in depression. So even reaching out to me, even the normal stuff didn't work because I would find a way since I was depressed to make that negative. It's like, oh, whatever happy thing they're trying to get me to say, it's like, oh, God, I'm not even that happy. F this. I'm even now I'm even further. In, you know, so by me going to the doctor and owning it and getting on some pills and kind of getting myself back up to a level, I was able to actually see the world again through some uh, unclouded eyes and then start using my normal things that I would tell people if they were down to pull themselves out of it, which is getting in touch with community and back to work and all that kind of stuff. So for me, you know, like Jason's got a, a great point of the, you know, if you're down or you feel a little depressed, but you're not way down. But if you are, man, hit the doctor, go talk to someone, find a therapist again. You know, you might not need meds, just talking could do it. But I, I happen to need them. I was, you know, and, and I'm still honest, it's just super low dose, but it's huge for me. So I was wondering what you guys thought about the phrase, do what you love. Do you subscribe to it? What are your feelings in general? Um, looking back, would you still choose your passion as your career? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think I would change anything. I think do what you love is nice so long as you can actually um, make a living off of it too. Um, people like to say that money doesn't matter, but it does. If your career is not paying your bills, then you're not going to have a great life. Yeah. Um, it, it just um, It's just how it is. It's the facts of life, unfortunately. But um, I think that you really do need to do something that you're passionate about to for your own mental sanity. Um, I don't think that anybody was meant to just sit in a cubicle for 40 years of their life, 40 hours a week doing something they hate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you just have to uh, find something that you enjoy in the work that you're going to do. Otherwise, you're going to reach some critical burnout. You're not going to have any kind of satisfaction in your life. You're going to be miserable at home. Um, so yeah, yeah totally. I, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I had the opportunity to change it. You know, when I, when I got divorced and I, and I sat back and I looked at my life, you know, I could change anything I wanted to at that point. Um, you know, the only thing I couldn't change and, and would never want to change is, you know, being a dad to Bella. But after that, like I could pick anything. I wanted to because I, I at that point I didn't like my career because I was depressed. So I, you know I, I had the opportunity to change, but when I sat back and thought about it, I was like, no, I'm, I'm good at this and I and I want to do it. Um, so I think you know, and and Jason can attest to this. I think if you ask that question to the same people for the span of a month, you will get seven different answers in that month. Like, oh, I love it, and then the next week it's like, screw this, and oh, I love it, and you know because it, you know we we definitely are an empathetic. Uh, industry, you know, where yeah. uh, we wear our emotions on our sleeve, and we and and sometimes wrongly, but mostly rightly, we attach our emotions to the actual work itself, which I think overall is a good thing. But sometimes it backfires on us personally because the client doesn't give a shit that we're attached to it, but we do. Um, you know, which I know is what Jason was hitting earlier in 2016. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but I think you know. Absolutely, you need to do what you love. You know, I'm my, my daughter is 16, uh, heading on 17, and I'm, I'm pushing her to to do that, to do what you love. I'm I am, you know, she's a junior in high school, 
And right now, college isn't even in the picture because I don't want to saddle her with $100,000 in debt to go into an industry that you won't make that much money in. Mm -hmm. You know, I would rather sock away 20, 25 grand and let her live with me till she's 26, but out there working and learning and taking classes and going to the library and museums and going to things like Weapons of Mass Creation and Creative South and Adobe, like going to these places, I think she'll get a better education. She'll build up a community around her. She'll change lives by showing people what someone in a wheelchair or dis disability can actually do. Um, you know, so do what you love is absolutely, you know, what I subscribe to. And, and it does, it, it changes all the time, which I think is actually pretty cool. Great answers. Any advice for anyone listening who's wondering, should I throw in the towel? Should I give up? What, what would you say to them? Um, I would start off by saying reach out to other people in the industry just like I did. Um, it, it's helpful to get feedback um, just to see other people's perspectives and to hear other people's stories and their history that they've gone through. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find that it's more of a shared experience than you think. Um, it's, it's not something that's individual and unique to you. It's something that goes on industry-wide. And I think it's exactly like Lenny said, it's because we get attached to our work. Um, I'd like to say that I try to totally remove ego from the situation, but there's, <laughs> you, you can't do it. Nope. You know, like you, as a designer, you think you know what's best, um, and, and you should, you know, if you're a professional designer, I think, for the client, visually speaking. Um, and so it, it sucks when it gets thrown back in your face, and it really does. And I think we all know what that feels like. Um, so I think throwing in the towel should be a last resort, and it should only come if you, once you reevaluate, you realize, you know, I really don't love what I'm doing, and it's really not for me. Maybe there's something else, a different industry that I could try out for a while, and, you know, if the stars align someday and I come back to design, so be it. But if not, you know, maybe you move on. Um, it really depends where you're at career-wise, financially, too. You know, um, there's a ton of factors that it rides on. But I'd say that, yeah, you just should really um, take a good hard look at what you're doing and really make sure that if you're going to quit, it's, it's what you really want to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think to, um, I think to kind of add on to that, definitely echoing what Jason is, reach out to people. I, I personally, and, I, and I'm sure they're out there, I personally have yet to be disappointed by anybody I've met at a conference, people I've considered peers above me whatever, you know, even though they're not above me, but you know, you, you always are going to put these people on pedestals. Um, you know, I, I, and I've met pretty much all my heroes. I mean, I, one of my best friends now is, is Draplin and that blows my mind. You know, you, I, you look at him, you know, this big man of a you know, mountain of a man <laughs> and, and you, and you come up to him and you, and you can unload on him and you can say, this is my and man. He will scoop you up in the biggest hug and he will talk to you and he will lift you up. And I've found that to be the case uh, with anybody and everybody. So even if you don't know these people, like reach out to them and I guarantee you, I can speak for myself for sure. Email me, call me, whatever. I'll talk to your ass. Like I'll make sure you have somebody to talk to. There's, you know, cause, cause I know what that's like. You know, I know even, uh, you know, our, our friend Mark Bricky, Adventures in Design, who's, who's been at the last two weapons, you know, he can be, we know an abrasive, rough, you know, lewd talking guy, but listen to his show sometimes. And, you know, he'll, he'll get down in the trenches, but he, he helps people. 
He lets people call in with their problems and he's going you know, and he'll be honest, but he'll be, you know, caring and nice. Um, so reach out to these people that you think are unreachable or untouchable or are heroes or whatever word you want to use that none of us actually really deserve because um, we're all just in the trenches doing work and, and reach out and, and talk to them. And I think the other thing I'd like want to say is like, I think we're really lucky in our field that you could completely stop what you're doing, go to something else and still be a designer or creative. Uh, five years ago, I had no idea how to screen print. I am now a screen printer. It's a whole new task, a whole new thing, a whole new everything. And I'm still in the same circles, but I've completely changed how I look at design and everything. So if you're just feeling down, maybe, maybe, you know what, maybe you are a really shitty UI UX designer, but maybe you're a great letterer. So go and letter, you know, or maybe you're a really shitty letterer and you want to do it, but you find out you're a great UI UX. You can stay within this field and there's so much you can do um, that I think you, you or we as an industry could do ourselves a disservice to say, well, maybe I'm just not supposed to be a designer or a creative because it's like, my God, there's like 77 things you could pick from to do and specialize in. Um, and don't be afraid to take a break. And don't be afraid to listen to yourself and say, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to be productive. I'm going to watch Netflix all day. Because that can be what the next step is supposed to be. Yeah, totally. I think refocusing is, is big because um, I've done that a few times. Like when I first started out, what I was doing was making MySpace layouts for bands. That's That was my design job was doing that. MySpace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 10 years ago, that's what I started out doing. And I was doing like show flyers, album art, all that stuff for like local bands. And then MySpace died. So I was forced to shift something. I couldn't do it anymore because you couldn't make layouts anymore. And I was like, well, now I have to come up with something else. So I started doing band merch. I was doing t-shirt design. And that kind of limited me with screen printing. Like, oh, now I have to think of working with just a few colors. So this is totally different. So then I did that, and then I kind of fell into lettering. And then after a while, I got a little bored with lettering, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll start doing a little illustration, a little more graphic design again. And then I decided to start um, Carmel Typeco with, with Drew Melton, and I decided to start making actual typefaces, which was just refocusing again from lettering to type. So it was taking something from uh, you know, like analog drawn by hand to something more digital. So you can just take the skills that you have and shift them a little bit and come up with something totally new. And you might find that it kind of recharges you and it re-energizes you to do something new. And I think the, the interesting thing of doing that too, like I started out as all, you know, doing all web design, very little brand. Then I moved into doing more brand. Then I moved into doing like almost straight UX UI, like wireframe work for a little while and then doing more illustration, now screen printing. And I found that I, all those things have informed how I do everything now. So I'm glad that I kept shifting and moving because, you know, my branding work or any lettering or illustration I do has that UI UX design background, you know, grids, white space, you know, all these little tips that you learn and everything along the way will help whatever next thing that you, you know, that you go on to. Um, you know, and I pride myself at being an extremely quick, competent, fast, good, well-rounded, like designer and illustrator. And I think that actually gives me a lot of strength in the industry. It's like when I told you about sitting at the, at the table with all the illustrators and they were so blown away that I did the package layout for the thing I did the illustration for. I just thought that was a given. I thought anytime I saw an illustrated package or whatever, that the illustrator did the whole thing. Apparently not. 
Who knew? I didn't know. You know, so it was just one of the things where it was like, oh, so actually, kind of like Von Glitschko, you know, he's one of the best illustrators in the industry today. He is every bit as good a straight up graphic designer, right? So he puts those two together and he's unstoppable. I mean, the guy's just a monster. So it's like kind of me sitting back looking at like, okay, I don't really want to be per se a designer as much. I want to do more illustration and print work and kind of get in the ditch, but I got to make sure that I don't just get rid of it. You know, yeah, that, that's smart too to just test the waters. You know, at least see what you like. You know, if you're not feeling fulfilled, if you're not feeling fulfilled, uh, whether as an illustrator or a letterer or a UI guy, like maybe try something else and see if you know something you didn't think that was your strength could be, and you might find that you know you really enjoy something that you didn't expect to, or that you learn something new. And education is never a bad thing. You know, if you know how to do more than one thing. That just makes you more valuable to a client or an agency or anybody looking to hire you. So it always be great to learn more than one skill. And I think, I think to, to, to kind of cap, tap into that, like don't be afraid to um, – you don't have to have one style or one thing. You know, there's a lot of people in yeah. schools and stuff, Julia, like learn an illustration style. You know, or, you know, you're this kind of designer or whatever. Have multiple styles. Explore them. Play in the space. Um, Definitely have goals and work for them, but at the same time, let the current carry you. When I started the, the actual design studio where I moved out of the house and got a studio for Hey Monkey, I was going to be a designer and illustrator who screen printed. Like I didn't want to be a commercial printer, and I still don't want to be a commercial printer with the likes of Real Thread or Mama Sauce, you know, some of the best out there. But I'm starting to slowly find that I really enjoy going out and doing print events and workshops and team building and be bringing people in and teaching them screen printing and actually the process of screen printing. So now I'm actually starting to shift what I, get, what I said I wasn't going to do. And I am becoming more of a printer, a creative, artistic printer, not just a, like, just a, you know, send me anything you want and I'll print it. But I'm applying all the design and illustration stuff to my screen printing, and I actually think over the next few years, that's going to be where I make my money. But the beauty of that is, is if it works, I don't have to take on any design and illustration clients. I can, like Jason said, I can cherry pick them, or I can be my own client, and I can just for a couple years play and explore and just do nothing but build myself up. Um, so, and I would have never, like, I, that's not what I thought I wanted to do, but I'm starting to really buy into that because that's, it's one of those things where if somebody comes up and just keeps yelling at you enough, you're like, okay, okay, I'll listen to you, you know, and that's kind of what's been happening to me, I think, lately. I think to even add to that point that you were making in the beginning, Lenny, was that um, I think over-specializing can hurt you. I think if you can only do one thing really well, Yes. Uh, people will remember you for that and they'll come to you once in a while when they need something like that. But if you can only do one thing, um, you might not get many phone calls. You know, you might not get many work requests. Um, cause I found that happened to me. Um, when I was doing hand lettering work, I was always doing like this really ornate elaborate stuff. And I even went to a couple job interviews where I would bring in my portfolio of actually like hand ink designs and they would flip through like two or three pages and they're like, that's all I need to see. He's like, that, that's, I know what you do already. You know, you have 50 pages of this. Like, you know, it's, it's great. You know, it's very nice. And you, you're obviously talented at it. He's like, but you know, that looks like all you can do. Like, I, I don't see any branding work here. I don't see um, any, you know, business suites, no stationery, none of this. He's like, so, you know, I can't hire you. It's like, but if we ever have a project, you know, that we need this specific thing for, 
you're our guy. So yeah. I think over-specializing is, uh, unless you're literally like the best at it, it's not great to do. And we talked about that, Jason, when you and I talked after your, your kind of cry for help post, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you, you know, lucky, you know, you don't have, you know, you have just a, a, enough ego to be a designer and a creative, but not so much that it gets in the way. And, you know, because I remember saying to you, it's like, you know, you might just have to realize that your style right now is is done for a little bit. And how can you how can you just evolve it and change it just a little bit to make it current again? Where I you know I suggested like start doing more illustration and bringing that in and pairing it up and you know totally. doing branding. So I think it's also realizing that if we can shelve our egos and say you know what what I'm good at just isn't hot right now. I just need to take one step to the left or right. Doesn't mean I have to get rid of it and not work on it. But if I take one step to the left or right, boom, it's current again. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I can pull in what was hot. Learn a something, learn something new, smush it together, and then you've got something fresh again. Yeah, and uh, as a guy who does primarily lettering, I could definitely tell you that two or three years ago, what I was doing was a lot hotter than it is right now. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, um, and this isn't like uh, like me taking a shot at the industry or anything, but it's it's more of a sloppy, like messy look is what's in. Mm -hmm. uh, like nobody's going for that really uh, decorative thing anymore. You know, everything going with that um, that rough, like brush script and you know, like really, really hand drawn feel. I think people don't want it to kind of look like, oh, maybe that could have been done on a computer, but maybe it was on my hand. I don't know. Right. Like, that that's not in at the moment. So yeah. I think I do have to adapt a little bit and change that up, or like Lenny was saying, just you know, make it fresh, bring a new element in. And I think a lot of designers could benefit from doing that because I know you work on these skills and you're building them up over the years and that you're really proud of what you can do. But sometimes after all that effort, you know, it's not what's, you know, yep. it's not what's bringing in the money at the moment. So you got to kind of adapt or die. There you go. That was a perfect phrase to end it on. Adapt or die. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say, Heather, to, you know, um, obviously you're, you're fresh off weapons, so the last thing you want to think about is next August. <laughs> I think this would be a phenomenal panel-type discussion, be it for, you know, for weapons next year or maybe something else you might put on as an event. Like, you know, get in a, you know I'm not saying get me and Jason, but look at people in the industry. I'm sure me and Jason will be happy to, to do anything for you, of course, but people Absolutely. need to hear this stuff. Is why I do my talks is to get up there and say – we feel you, we understand you, we're here to help you, but we still feel that way too. Like I still, right now, I still am on depression meds. I'm still on all that stuff, but I can still help somebody. I can still lift somebody out because I've been there and I know the way out. I'll sign you guys up. Sounds Done. good. <laughs> I'm in. I'm already thinking about it, so. Awesome. Check, check, and check. You know, I'll do anything for you guys. So, I likewise. It. Thank you for your time today. That was great. That was phenomenal. Yeah, awesome. thanks for having us on. Yeah, and thank you. I mean, the topic is great because I think, you know, it, it doesn't get talked about enough. It's starting to, which I think is awesome. I think people more and more are starting to share, um, which is awesome because that's what I've been pushing for. So, I think, you know, seeing stuff like this will be fantastic. Totally. Yeah. Like when he said, it was Jason's idea. So and he didn't even know it. <laughs> <I> know. Yeah. <laughs>
Glad I could inspire a talk. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, you guys both have an awesome day. Uh, and I look forward to chatting with you both again super soon. Yeah. yeah. See you later, guys. All right, Bye, you guys. guys. Take care. Bye-bye.